if you're going to start a convenience store, everybody's been to a gas station convenience store, you know, candy bars and all that sort of stuff. Well, you're not going to get a building and put a box of candy bars in there and have that be a business that would fail. So what you do first though, is you get the business set up, you get the gondolas that all the candy bars stand on, you get the fountain machines, you get the, you know, cold storage, you get the cash registers, countertops, bank accounts, employees, all that. So you set up the business first and then every piece of inventory you put in after that. And so I view all of my 30 plus rental properties as inventory. Every time I buy a new one, it's just another piece of inventory that I'm putting into my business. You're listening to Investing for Good, a show that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design and impact the world around them. And now here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey, Julie, how's it going? Uh, going good, going good over here. It's a little cold today, but I'm trying to stay warm. What about you? Oh, you know, just uh, same. You know, this this weekend I had an opportunity to clean out my office. Oh, nice. And I was starting to feel like I was working in like a storage closet. You, you know, know, like the mail and the bills and everything just piles up and slowly and, and surely you're just like, oh my gosh, I can't oh. take it. And so I cleaned it all out. I feel so much better. Oh, and so it excited. just, you don't know how much, it, <laughs> I didn't realize how much it was smothering me until I cleaned it all out. So good. I know. I'm going on a mission over the holiday break to clean up everything and get like totally Marie Kondo on everything. I'm like labeling, yes. I'm going to buy like plastic boxes, like, and I cannot wait. There is, and so I asked, that's my Christmas gift from my husband. I'm like, you need to help me get the house in order so that when I'm like functioning in the house, I can do it and like easily and smoothly and life will be happy. So I know exactly how you feel and that's what I want. So yes. And the girls will love that. Your girls will love doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Super. Well, on today's show, we are talking to Dustin Heiner, the founder of Master Passive Income. And I first met Dustin at FinCon, the, the conference for financial nerds, as you know. And Dustin stood out as the total opposite of a nerd. He's like not a nerd at all. He's a really heartwarming guy and just everybody loves Dustin. He's just a very welcoming guy and really great at a party. And he's got four kids. Can you believe it? Four kids. I know, I can't. And what I love about his episode is the strategies that he shared about how he's teaching those kids about finances and investing. And, you know, between the two of us, we've got a bunch of kids. And so that's something that you and I always talk about. And so I love that he really deep dives into those strategies because um, there's definitely some good takeaways there. Absolutely. So without further ado, let's get into this episode with Dustin Heiner. Dustin, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I, I really appreciate it. We're really happy to have you here. Now, Dustin, just a few years ago, you decided to publicly announce that you would quit your job in just over a year. And then you went on to blog about that journey and tell the world about that journey. So I want to start there. You know, what led you to make that decision? And then what was the outcome that you were after? So I first started investing back in 2006, buying one single family home and then moving on from there, continually building the business. 
and getting more properties because every single time I bought a rental property, I was making at least 250 if not $300 or more every single month coming in and passive income. And so over time, I knew that I could eventually quit my job. And as I was building up my business, and it was probably about two years before I was going to quit my job, I had plenty of properties I could have quit then, but it was really nerve wracking leaving that, you know, W2 nine to five job where you get that paycheck every single month. So that was really hard to do. But what I was, was happening is I was telling people, hey, I'm going to quit my job. And I had so many people asking me, well, how are you doing it? And what are you going to do? You know, and so they were thinking about another job or something. And I started telling them, no, I just buy rental properties. And that's what makes me money. I literally don't have to do any work. And so over time, I had so many people asking me, well, how did you do it? Number one. And number two, can you show me? And so I was helping so many people, you know, friends and family members, at least, you know, a couple dozen people how to do it. And then I realized it's taken so much time and effort. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to be quitting my job. I'm not going to have a job. And I literally, for my, all my rental properties, I literally work 30 minutes, maybe a month at, at most. And it's just getting my statement, reviewing it, making sure everything, you know, the property managers are not stealing from me and stuff like that. So what I do is then had so much more time. And so I thought, you know what, I love talking about real estate. I love helping people. So I started Master Passive Income and everything else from there. Okay, wait. So I want to pause here because you just said so much. You had this incredible journey. You built up this very successful business, which we'll talk about. But I want to go even further back then to the beginning. You said you bought your first rental property in 2006. Is that right? Is that what yes. you said? Wow, that's an interesting time to have bought your first one. So what, tell us about that. What was that like? What were you hoping to get out of that first rental property? Well, I saw the, the market. I was living in California at the time, and currently now I live in Arizona. So living in California, it was really expensive. And I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad in 2005. And I'm like, I really got to get started. I'm, I don't want to work for somebody else. I want to be financially independent. And so I, I, I thought, I need to buy real estate. And so 2006, California was crazy. I mean, everybody knows in 2006, that's when the market was really just hot. And so I decided I need to buy, but I didn't have any money. I already didn't have very much money at all. And in fact, we, my wife and I just got married and I took, I had no money because I was never taught to save. Um, now I implore that into my kids where they do save. But my wife saved a little bit of money. She had $10,000. We saved some more. Eventually in like six months, we had $17,000. I flew to Ohio of all places, because I saw they were really, really cheap houses over there. Flew out there, saw the property managers, realtors, saw houses, and literally did everything wrong. Like everything that I did back then, I don't do it now. And so I- Like what? I like what, what were some things that you did then that you wouldn't do now? Well, number one, I don't fly anywhere. If I start a whole other city, a whole other state, I don't fly there. I, don't even, I literally don't even go there. Um, and the reason why is because I develop a system or basically the way that I do business, I make sure that I have so many other people give me information, like what they're seeing, what they're hearing and what's going on in the property that I don't need because I, I don't have the uh, control factor where I have to be there. I have to. So I invest all over the country and all my students invest all over the country. So that's one is I wouldn't fly there. Number two, I hired the first property manager. I said, OK, you have your property manager. I trust you. Let's go ahead and do it. Well, eventually she started stealing from me. That's a whole nother story. We're going to pass on that. I paid too much for the property. I mean, it's, it's a laundry list of a lot of things that I did wrong. But the biggest one, then something I love to share with everybody is in real estate investing, specifically rental properties, you need to develop the business first. Now, the easiest part is buying the property. The harder part is building the business so that it runs itself. Like I said, I literally work 30 minutes a month. Like last year, 
I went to Europe for six weeks with my family on a, on a 11 country or 11 different countries we went to. Year before that, we went to Japan for six weeks and traveled all around the island of Japan. This year, we went from Florida all the way to Washington, D.C. on a four-week trip because we have the time and I have the money. So we're blessed to be able to do all that stuff because I built the business first. Now, I, I liken it to this. So basically, if you're going to start a convenience store, everybody's been to a gas station convenience store, you know, candy bars and all that sort of stuff. Well, you're not going to get a building and put a box of candy bars in there and have that be a business. That would fail. So what you do first, though, is you get the business set up. You get the gondolas that all the candy bars stand on. You get the fountain machines. You get the you know, cold storage. You get the cash registers, countertops, bank accounts, employees, all that. So you set up the business first, and then every piece of inventory you put in after that. And so I view all of my 30-plus rental properties as inventory. Every time I buy a new one, it's just another piece of inventory that I'm putting into my business. And so the biggest thing that I did wrong was I did not set up the business first when I started. And so every time now, if I invest in another city, move to another state, or all my students, I show them how to build the business first and then buy that inventory, that, that property, one piece of inventory and putting it into their business. So that's, that's the biggest thing that I would say everybody needs to do. That's interesting. I've never heard of that that strategy before. And I think everybody starts the exact opposite way, like you said, as they go out and they're like, hmm, I can do this. I'm going to go out and buy one rental property and kind of see how it goes. Um, but you mentioned the 30 minutes a month. That's crazy. I mean, for rental properties, how do you... So do you attribute that mostly to the systems that you have in place? Because... That seems like so little for, you know, rental properties. I mean, when we think about syndication and passive syndication, that's what, it's about that much, probably less than that because you're just checking to make sure deposits came in. But how, so is that from the systems you have set up or how do you get it down to 30 minutes a month? So I basically try to make sure my life is as automated as possible. Once I, 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 I've been working since I was 13 years old. I've had many businesses. I've even, I personally have even had a convenience store that I started from the ground up and eventually sold. Um, I had a skateboard manufacturing company. I've had lots of businesses. And I found that the easiest one was one that was absolutely automated. And that was with rental properties. And so I thought, how can I make this as automated as possible? And so what it comes down to is, Definitely. It's the business that you're creating and the systems that you're implementing into the business. Now, as I'm going through you know, the 30 minutes, it's really just analyzing all the numbers, making sure properties are rented, making sure that the income and, and debits, they're all adding up. That's really the only thing I need to do. But the biggest thing is, is that I hire other people to do all the work for me. Now, here's, here's a great thing, though. Now, I only hire people when they do one of two things. Number one, they make my life easier, or number two, they make me money. And so a property manager does both of that. Like I don't do any work, I don't talk to tenants, I don't fix toilets, I don't do anything like that. And I don't collect the money, I just get checks in the mail or it's electronic now, so everything's electronic. And so I hire people that make my life so much easier, and that's how I'm only, I, don't really even need to work. I just do it because I want to check to make sure I'm not being stolen because I've had property managers steal from me in the past, but that didn't stop me to realize there are good property managers out there. We just need to learn how to find them, write questions to ask, write answers that they should give back to you, all that sort of stuff. But yes, it's really developing a system and a business and having people working in the business rather than me working in the business. So what I like to do is I like to work on the business, buying more properties, expanding to new territories and all that sort of stuff. 
Love that. So design your business with the end goal in mind of how, how much you want to actually put into your business and then work backwards from there. But I want to ask you this because I'm sure there are people listening who are going to say, hire out, you know, why would I hire out for something I could do myself? You know? And so I, I, I know my answer to that, but what would you say? So two things. Number one, I'm the type of personality, if the property is, is like in a five mile radius or even like an hour drive, I will literally drive there to do it. I, that's just in me. I'm very frugal as well as I, I'm, I'm a do-it-yourselfer. So I invest in Ohio and Texas and other states so I don't have to fly there and do the work. So that's number one. But number two, the reason why I'm able to hire people, and here, here's, I want to say this. Number one, I don't pay my property taxes. I don't pay my property manager. I don't pay my insurance. I don't pay the repairs. I don't pay any of that stuff. My tenants pay every bit of that. Right. So I make sure before I buy a rental property that taxes, insurance, property managers, all these other costs and expenses that I'm going to have in my business, it's literally accounted for before I buy the property. If I can't make money, and here's a tip that I always give, I always shoot for, and all my students, we shoot for $250 or more every single month from every property we have. You know, if you have a duplex, then you want $250 from each unit as best you can. It kind of goes down a little bit because you have two units. But anyways, long story short, you want $250 or more every single month of passive income. That's money coming into your pocket every single month on top of all the expenses, even vacancy, even repairs and capital expenses. You want to have all those accounted for. And that's why I love this business so much is that everything is basically fixed. All my expenses are basically fixed. I can know what my expenses are before I buy the property. And with a relative certainty, I can know what my rents are going to be, especially if I have a property manager. If the property manager says, hey, you're looking at this property over in this, this area of the, of the city. Well, I have two properties that another landlord has, and they are trying to get 1100 but they can't. So we had to lower it to 1050 So I automatically know I should be able to get either 1000 or 1050 somewhere around there. So my income is accounted for. My expenses are accounted for. And that gap right in the so income and expenses, that gap right in the middle is money coming in my pocket that I you know, use to feed my family, go on the trips, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it, it comes back to, <laughs> I think people get intimidated by real estate investing. They think it's this, you know, it's this complex thing. It's got all these moving parts. And to a certain extent it, it is, but it also just comes down to simple math, right? Like how much are you paying for it? How much are your tenants going to be giving you in rent? And how much is it going to cost you? And then you get your cash flow. And so it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing. And that's what you're teaching your students is to focus on the basics and not get caught up in all the different complexities. Yes, absolutely. There, here, here's another thought. You know, if you're going to invest in another state, some people might say, well, do I have to worry about the laws there? And I say, number one, no, you don't personally have to worry about the laws. Your property managers, the ones that should know the laws, you hire the right ones, they know the laws. So you don't have to worry about that stuff. And so all this, I hire people so that they are the ones, they're the professionals, like my accountant. I love my accountant. I hate numbers. I'm horrible at numbers. That's why rental properties are great for me because I'm stupid. I'm not stupid. I'm just, I'm not smart. Yeah. I know addition and subtraction and a little bit of multiplication. So addition, you have your income, subtraction, your expenses, and that difference is my money that I make. And I, so if I have one property that makes me $250 a month, that's $250. If I multiply it by 10, that's $2,500 a month. So that's all I need to know is addition, subtraction, and multiplication. Everything else is taken care of by other people. So I'm just curious, right? Because I know I'm. Sh this is a question that we get, you know, or I get a lot when I talk with investors is, 
you know, single family homes versus multifamily syndication, right? And our whole pitch is like, well, with multifamily syndications, you don't have to worry about the three T's, right? So the toilets, tenants, termites. So talk to us really quickly about that because I'm sure that there are a lot of people listening like this all sounds great and fine and dandy, but what about all those like phone calls? And yes, the property management gets it, but how do you deal with like, you know, evictions, turnovers? I guess that's also dependent on what markets you're investing in because I know for me, um, you know, some of my single family homes that I still own are, you know, doing better than others and I don't really hear much and they've never, you know, I never went through an eviction, but on others I have. So how do you deal with that part of it? It's really comes down to systems. So every time I hire a property manager, they're going to have in their mind of how they would normally handle a landlord. Well, mm. I'm a different landlord than anybody else. So I tell them what I want them to do for my properties. If this happens, then do this. If this happens, then do this. So, so example would be, they might say, we start eviction after like, you know, one month. If they, mm-hmm. they've been overdue for an entire month, that's when we start the eviction. I'm like, no, not with my properties. It's, it's due on the first, late after the third. You give them a three-day notice once that three days is up, you start the um, eviction process. Like you, that's, you just do that with every single one of my properties uh-huh. because I want to give you business systems and, and um, procedures in place so uh-huh. you don't have to bother me and you know exactly what you're going to do. So it's those type of things that I even tell them, you know, if it's under $300, like if it's a toilet, don't even bother with calling me. I trust you. That's why I hired you. I've been working with you for what, two, three, four, uh-huh. five years. Actually, I have one property manager. It's been about five years now, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I go ahead and get into business with people for the long term. I don't want a property manager to be six months or a year. Right. I want it to be a long term. But mm-hmm. it's putting systems in place so that they know that they don't have to bother me because I've already given them the guidelines. Now, if it's a but, here's a, a big tip that I would give everybody, anybody. If you all, if you ever have an expense that's over, in my opinion, a thousand dollars, you definitely don't want to go with just one quote, especially when you get to two or three thousand dollars. Absolutely don't go with one quote. Even the property manager is like, oh, this is a good quote. I'm like, I don't care. It's not your, I don't tell them this, but like in my mind, it's not your money. It's my money. Go out and get two more quotes. And so I know I have a peace of mind. So yes, I have business systems set up and they know that if it's above $2,000, give me at least two or three quotes for the work done. So it's setting up those business systems beforehand, Mm -hmm. before they ever take, uh, you know, um, uh, managing of the property. I mean, it comes back to your your convenience store framework analogy, right? It's like you are the business owner, not the property manager. You are the business owner. So it's your responsibility to put those systems in place. And I love that you give them those expectations and your personal rules for what you want to see so that they know exactly what to expect. They're not second guessing you. It's not wasting their time or your time. And it makes everybody more efficient altogether. So I'm definitely writing that down. I'm definitely going to take that into my rental properties as well. Love that. I want to transition here for just a second because I know we've been talking a lot about your rental properties, but another big part of your life is your kids. You have four beautiful children. I want to know, what are you teaching those four kids about money and about rental properties so that they are set when they grow up? I love that you asked that. It's a fantastic question. Uh, So I grew up, like I said earlier, without no, I knew not to go into debt, or at least that was grained in me. Don't get credit cards, get into debt, it's going to make it bad. So I knew that, but I didn't know to really save. So what I'm currently doing with teaching my kids in general about money. So I have an 11, currently 11, 10, 8, and 6 year old. And so I'm literally teaching them how to handle their money. At the same time, I'm showing them 
real estate and the rental properties. So number one, I'm always talking to them about finances, about rental properties, about how our properties are doing. When we pray at night, we read the Bible and we pray at night. We pray about our properties, pray for our tenants and things like that. So they, they know about the business. So that's number one. But number two, I am also showing them finances and how to manage their finances. So number one, they do not get an allowance. You know, it, just because they, they live, they're alive, they don't get money. Just like I'm alive, I don't get money. So I instill that in them. So they do extra work. Like we homeschool, or at least, no, I take that back. My wife homeschools. <laughs> I have the easy job of making money. She has the hard job of teaching the kids. So we have a bunch of books that the kids go through every semester. And every time they finish one of their curriculum books, like math or English, we give them $10. That's like, you know, their reward. That's their work. So we give them $10. Now, any bit of money that comes in from birthdays or, you know, uh, working around the house, that's extra on top of it. So all that money that comes in, let's say that's $10 just from one book. We teach them this, that they literally have to do this every single time. And I walk them through. They take half of it. I say, okay, half of that is going to savings, like literally half of it, like from the very top half. And then also 10%, we give that to charity. We give it to our church and give it to God. Then another one that we find is crucial. So the 50 and then 10 crucial for us is 20% goes to mommy for responsibilities around the household. Ooh, food, like lights, I need sheets. to implement that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because they're, they need to know that when they're older, they're going to have to have these responsibilities. They can't just spend everything. So 50, 10, 20, and then the last 20%, they can spend however they want. And what I've been blessed uh, lots of times is my kids say, well, I want to give some extra mommy. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Or I want to give some more to my savings. Actually, they love saving now because I put them in the bank account. They could see their, hey, we made 45 cents this month. They're like, good for you. Yeah. Um, and then also giving more to God. And, and that's a big one I love doing with my kids is, is breaking all that down. But on top of that, teaching them about, about real estate with talking to them about real estate helping them to see the entire business. And I'm also coaching them through it. I'm literally helping them to understand that it's better to create passive income as opposed to making earned income where you work an hour, you get paid a dollar. We don't want that. We want to work one time and get paid over and over and over again. And so like, I have books that I sell. My daughter would say, hey, how many books did you sell today, daddy? And I'd tell her. And so, oh, we made some money. So she knows, or actually all my students, or sorry, all my kids know this. Now, what's great was, I think it was probably about eight months ago, my oldest, she said, hey, daddy, all the money that we've saved so far, that I've saved so far, I don't want to buy a car with that when I'm old enough. I want to buy a house with that money so then I can then use that money that I make every single month to buy that car. I'm like, yes, at a girl. Love it. Love <laughs> it. Is that your 11-year-old? or Yes. Okay. Is that, I, so, I, is that amazing uh, when they start to string together all yeah. those concepts? Like it takes some time, right? But like when it finally clicks, man, that's, that you're setting her up for life. Yeah. I mean, she's 11 and she yeah. understands those concepts. That's incredible. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and a little quick little thing, like, let's say we go to, there's a store that has like a shooting gallery. It's like, it shoots a laser light and things move. And I never gave them money to do it, but they always ask, can we do it? Can we do it? And as soon as I started getting money, I said, Hey, and they started spending and they realized how much things money goes out and how much it costs. I said, well, you got money, you can spend it. And they say, Oh, that's expensive. Oh my, that's a waste of money. I'm like, yes, exactly. <laughs> that's great. We'll get back to our conversation with Dustin Heiner in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? 
Perhaps you're afraid, like we were, that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com invest. And now... Back to our chat with Dustin Heiner. I, so I'm curious because you have a, a, a range of ages, right? 11 and then six being the youngest. How does your teaching style to your kids differ in terms of, you know, you're talking about finance and you're talking about real estate. So you gave us a good example, um, you know, with your 11 year old, but how are you teaching the six year old? Like, what are some things like, how are you making it understandable for the six year old? So with real estate, we're not really talking about rental properties. We're just talking about the principle of working once. So I, I love, and especially with all my students and with Master Passive Income, I love giving principles. You know, a lot of people might say, well, give me your details of how you did every single one of your properties. I'm like, those stories are out there. They're everywhere. What you need are principles. And so what I start from the very youngest age is giving them principles so that they can apply that however they want. And so like for the six-year-old right now, Every single time they get any money, like, you know, $10 from finishing a book or, or, you know, $5 from grandma or something like that, we sit down and I literally break it down into change so that they can say, okay, 50%, you know, 250 goes over here and 10% goes over here and 20%. And they literally run to mommy, here you go, mommy. And they actually give mommy Aww. the money. And so at the younger age, we try to break it down as big, broad principles as possible. But as they get older, they're going to be able to, well, number one, I'm telling them that you, unless you're going to be literally a doctor or somebody that needs a lot of education, don't go to college. You're going to spend $50,000. In fact, I'm telling my kids and anybody that would listen, don't go to college. If you have $50,000 that you're going to get a loan for to go and get a piece of paper, you can hopefully get a job. Take that $50,000, buy one or two or three rental properties and make $750 a month, maybe $1,000 a month and do that all over and, and over again. And in doing that, you don't even need to go to work anymore because you have your investments. And so with my kids, every single one of them, I have, uh, it's more like playing on field. Some of my kids are a little more, they grab onto it more than right. others, meaning they understand it. Mm -hmm. um, they all like it, but they, some understand it better. And so as they're getting older, then I instill more principles. And then, so what I'm going to do with my kids, so people save for college fund, I don't do that. I save for a rental property fund for mm -hmm. them. Actually, I have, I, I'm blessed to have plenty of money. So 
when uh, I think my daughter, I think probably when she's about 16, the oldest, when she's 16, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to loan her money so that she can buy her first property. So I'll be the bank. She can get her first property and manage that property and all that sort of stuff. So she sees that passive income coming in. And same yeah. thing for all of my other kids. We're going to keep doing the same thing. Yeah. I love that because I often hear parents asking about which five to nine plan should I do? You know, what state should I do? And getting all, getting in all these like intricacies about the five to nine plan. And little do they know that there's so many like fees and, you know, penalties if they decide, if their child decides not to go to college, which I'm a huge believer that, you know, the way we live and the way we work is evolving and changing. And it's not going to be in 15 years that you go get a four-year degree and then you work 30 years at that job for the rest of your life. I mean, we're already seeing that change in our generation, you know, let alone, you know, our children's generation 15, 20 years from now. So to give them that flexibility to have access to money to do something, to invest in themselves, to travel the world, to, you know, maybe they do want to go to school, but maybe it's a trade school. Maybe they want to be a chef. Maybe they want to be it. Maybe they do truly want to be a doctor, but at least then they're doing it for the right reasons and not because they feel like they have to go get an education and have to be a doctor to have a successful life, right? Which I think is such a, you know, misleading thing that's out there right now. So I love that, uh, that you're doing that. I'm doing a lot of those same things. I know Annie, you are too. Um, I have three kids. Annie's got two. So, you know, um, super important for, for us. So, so tell us more, is there anything else? Like, I'm just curious, is there anything else in terms of like strategies and, and ways that you're teaching and helping your kids that, that you think maybe other parents out there might want to know about how to, you know, get their kids into a better financial state when they get older? I mean, we touched on a few, but is there anything else that you think might be really helpful? This is something I'm so passionate about. So I'm kind of asking selfishly too. Like, I'm just curious if there's something maybe I don't know or I'm not thinking of. So no, so those are the main ones. And what I would say is as the child gets older and as they grow, what I do is I adapt it to that child and I, I encourage that, that in them. So those are the main, main big broad ones. But as you get down to a little more granular, like exactly how rental properties work or how multifamily Um, investing works, or even just how to spend money. It's really showing them that, oh, I'll give you another one um, that I love. So I'm very frugal. And Mm -hmm. my wife is extremely frugal. So I'm very, very blessed. Like I don't have to look at my credit card statement. What was this? You know, I don't have to worry about that. So I'm really blessed with that. But what we do is I show them the value of money that mommy and daddy put on money. Even though we have, we're blessed to have plenty of money. And we would be driving home from church and occasionally we might go to lunch. But there are times where we're driving home and we're like, well, we don't want to spend money on food. We don't say, say that, but our, one of our kids might say, hey, can we go there and eat for, for lunch? And I say, no, it's expensive. Like We don't have the money right now. We have the money, but we don't want to spend the money right now because it's expensive. We have plenty of food at home. So I'm trying to encourage them not necessarily frugality, but I'm showing them the value of money just because you have money doesn't mean you should spend it. And yeah. so what I would literally say is, well, do you want to spend your money? And be like, ah, oh, no. I'm like, yes, when it's your money, you put more value on it. And so that's something I love to do with my kids is show them the value of money. And at the same time, if they have the money, they don't need to spend it. And so a big question comes up is, hey, daddy, I have, you know, $10. I want to buy this. I'm like, do you really need? Anyways, I help them to really think through the purchase process and how much money they have, how much it's going to cost, how much should I have left over. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even just that, I mean, that's more than a lot of kids get at that young age. You know, I, there are kids in my, my son, my older son, who's in first grade now, there are kids in his class who may, don't have any money at all. And so they don't have, they, they just don't get the practice to think about if and when you do have that money, you know, how are you going to manage that money? So as soon as they get the money, they're like, okay, I've got it. Now I can spend it. Now, what am I going to buy? So it's such an important practice to give your children that practice with money so that they can make the mistakes at home and not outside in the real world. Love that. Absolutely. Right. I completely agree. Well, shall we transition to our investing for good impact round? Let's do it. it. (laughs) All right, Dustin, we're going to ask you three questions that we ask all of our guests, and it all comes back to how you are investing for good. All right. So the first question is, how are you investing for a better life for yourself? What's the one thing that you're doing to whether it's investing or otherwise to create a better life for yourself? For, for me, a better life. Well, I, I love my wife. I love my kids. I love being around them. That's why we go on these long trips and stay together. And so what I love to do is invest my time. Now, money is a great thing to invest, but your time, in fact, your entire life is the most expensive thing you could ever spend. And so what I love to do is invest my life into my, my church my wife and my kids. And so everywhere around me, I try to instill value. I try to serve as opposed to take. And so what I, every, every step that I go, and especially with my wife and my kids, is how can I look to better them, serve them, and help them? Not necessarily provide for what they, like my kids, what they want right now, but help them to set up for the future. So investing my time very, very wisely. And it's a thing, you know, if you're going to be buying a rental property, you're going to have more time to to devote. But at the same time, if you have a regular job, you still have time. I believe you should develop your time in the people rather than the things around you. So I love spending my time, investing my time in my the people around me. I love that. That's so, Annie, you know, I'm always mm-hmm. talking about that. It's, you know, my time is so precious, such a precious, precious resource. And Whenever all my free time goes right back to my family too, um, and that's so important for for me and part of why we do what we do is we want to help other people discover more time in their lives as well. So love that. And just real quickly before we move on to the next question, you you've touched on travel a few different times in this conversation. So now I know traveling with kids, never mind four kids, <laughs> is not the easiest thing. So let me ask you, what is what do you see as the value of travel? Why do you do it with four kids? And what what has been the impact on them? That's a fantastic question. So a big, many, many great benefits. Um, history, seeing all the history. Went through 11 different countries last year on a six-week okay. trip. Um, seeing all that great history. Um, we went through the East Coast, see all that history. Um, that as well as on top of that, learning how to help each other because we depend on each other as we're going through. And I depend like on my older daughter to take care of the younger kids and all of them to help each other out. And so we're always together. We're trying to help each other enjoy life and to enjoy each other. And Mm -hmm. it's sad when I see people like, hey, this kid doesn't like to be around this kid or whatever. No, all my kids, they're not necessarily best, best friends, but they love each other and they love to play together because we're homeschooling, so they're always together. So 
with traveling, that's another great aspect is that we're together, we're working together. Another one is seeing the different cultures. Now, being wherever you are, if you're in America, if you're in Switzerland, whatever country you're at, you kind of, you do only know your own particular culture. There's so many amazing cultures out there. Now, I love being an American, but there are fantastic cultures and fantastic countries out there. Just because I prefer one doesn't mean the other ones are bad or by any means. So I want my kids to see how other people live and how other people are not as well off or are better off or whatever it might be that, mm -hmm. hey, wherever we are, we need to be completely content with how we're blessed to live. And so all those things are really, really beneficial. And a, a big one that I found is it, it just brings us so much closer together as mm -hmm. a family every time we travel. And they always think back, hey, remember when we did this? We went to this country. We went to this. It's it's great. It's, it's, a, it's a really great bonding experience, too. Yeah. It's it's true, right? It's hard to think back, like when you're at home living the day to day, it's hard to think back over the last four months and think like, what actually happened? You know, we went to school every day, we went to work every day. But then when you travel, you create all these unique memories that will stick in your kids' minds for the rest of their lives. And like you said, with the cultures and with the history, it really opens their mind up to all these different principles that you were talking about, these principles that you've spent so much time developing, you're helping them to develop their own principles in life. And I feel also like, you know, it helps the kids to open their eyes to possibility, right? Because when you, when you live in a certain world and you live in that day in and day out for your entire childhood and you never get out and you never see the world, you don't understand that there are other things that are possible. And I feel like, you know, when you get out there in the world as a young child, it helps you so much as an adult to under to, to deal with the stressors of life and all the things that come up to understand that other things out there are possible. So um, I, I, I think I'm a huge fan of traveling as well and um, love it. So yeah. All right. Next question. Okay. So this one is about investing in others. So we asked you about how you're investing for yourself. Um, so now, how are you investing in others? So specifically, we want to ask, what's one thing, an investment strategy, a life hack, something like that, that you can share with our audience that will make an impact in their lives? Investing in others, I find that it goes so much further. No matter if I'm teaching my kids about money or real estate or teaching a student that, uh, that I have for Master Passive Income about real estate or meeting somebody walking on the street, um, I find that the best hack that I would say that I have is whoever I'm talking to, I try to make sure that they know or they feel like they are the only person in the room. Like I give them as much as almost 100%, as best I can, attention as possible to what they're saying, how they're saying it, and just give them, even if it's somebody that I'll never see again, I want to, them to know that they are absolutely valuable and I can learn from anybody. But at the same time, I just love talking to that one particular person. And so if somebody walks away feeling like, hey, man, that guy is arrogant. That guy is a jerk. I, I don't want that. I want somebody to walk away not thinking about me, but thinking better about themselves. Like, hey, they had a lot more to say than I did. And so every time I try to meet with somebody or talk with somebody or even just find somebody, you know, walking down the street or at a store that we started having conversation, everything is turned off. I'm just focused on that one person. And so that's what I love. And I did learn that. I'll give you um, something that I, uh, a book that I really love is um, by Dale Carnegie. It's how to win friends and influence people. Mm -hmm. Fantastic, fantastic book that really helps you to understand how, you know, other people's perspectives, but at the same time, how to treat people. And so mm -hmm. that's one big thing is 
anytime I'm talking to any person, I try to do my best, at least consciously, I, fo- I try my best to focus on that one person and give them as you know, 100% attention as much as possible. In that. today's digital age, that's so, so hard, hard to find. <laughs> so hard to find. Everybody's got, it's like their phone is attached to their hand. So Well, I'll I give you that. also a, a quick example. So yeah. last night, uh, my wife and I, we take our, our kids on a one-on-one date. So I do the daddy-daughter date night and the mommy and son date night. So last night, I took my youngest, my uh, six-year-old, her name's Faith. We went to, she wanted to go a few places. So I like, I I like Chick-fil-A, but I, if I have a choice, I'll go eat pokey. You know what pokey is like? Sushi. Oh, yeah. Yeah, anyway, so I got a sushi or a poke bowl. We went to Chick-fil-A, so we got both of our stuff. She got to eat Chick-fil-A and run around. We went to Peter Piper Pizza, played video games. So I developed, I put 100% focus and effort into her. I literally did not even look at my phone at all. I, I, I put it aside because I said, I'm trying to show her what it should be like if you ever go, if and when you go on a date. Yeah. On top of that, this is how you treat other people. We yeah. don't do other things when we're literally having dinner and talking together. So that's what I did with my daughter. I, I put my phone aside and I, I, I also help her to understand, Hey, did you notice daddy didn't even look at his phone the whole entire time when we were together? And she goes, yes, yes, I did daddy. So yes, absolutely. I try to make sure that my kids know that as well. I love that. I love Such that. For all message. the dads out there listening, take some notes from Dustin. Oh my gosh. That's, I mean, so hard, especially I feel like for, for dads too. So um, yeah, kudos to you. That's Thank awesome. You. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. The final question is now we're talking about investing in the world. So what are you doing, whether investing or otherwise, to make the world a better place? Hmm. So definitely through master passive income, I'm trying to show as many people as possible that passive income, that there are ways to make money as opposed to working a job. There are so many people that I've helped that just their, their minds are opened up. Just like how I, when I read uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad for my first time, I was like, wow, this is amazing. So I try to help as many people as I can. That's why I have my podcast, my articles on my site, my books. I try to do that on top of that. I love going to college campuses and talking to kids um, or, or students. You know, they're not they're even though they're younger than me, like half my age. But you know, I don't want to call them kids. But talking to students there and really sharing them about God as well as about everything in life, and just sharing about the you know uh, the the good news of God, but at the same time, um, how life is better if you don't think about yourself. So all that to say, I try to share as much as I can that I've learned that made my life better because I wasn't always you know, uh, where I am. I've had to work my way and I've had to learn a lot along the way. So I try to share that with as many people as possible. I love it. I love it. And speaking of that, because I know people will want to learn more um, because they see that you're fully dialed in and you've provided so much great value in this conversation. So if they wanted to connect with you and learn more about Master Passive Income, where's the best place that they can go? Yes, thank you. And so I have my site, masterpassiveincome.com, as well as my podcast, The Master Passive Income Show, that you can find me there. And uh, would you mind? I have something free to give to everybody if they want. Yeah. It's a free investing course. Would you mind? Please. Absolutely. Awesome. So if you go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course, I'll get you my, my um, free investing course that'll show you, it'll walk you through the process. It'll show you all the ways you make money, all the six different ways you make money, how to run the numbers, all that good stuff, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. And I will get that to you right away. But that's how you would find me is through masterpassiveincome.com as well as the podcast. 
Awesome. Well, we'll, we will be sure to link to all of those great resources. Dustin Heiner, founder of Master Passive Income. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Dustin. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to Investing for Good, the number one podcast for people like you who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com slash podcast and be sure to join the Investing for Good Facebook community. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations every week. Until next time, keep investing for good.